0: Golden Dale, and hello to all of my fellow Liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains, from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday for Torch Report 556. How to plan ahead when all roads lead to all hell breaking loose? (laughs) All roads lead to perpetual conflict. Why long-term planning is an essential strategy for overcoming the globalist agenda. That is what we're going to discuss today. We're going to set aside the most pivotal election in the United States history. We're going to sidestep the precipice of World War III and, of course, intentionally overlook the most massive genocide in all of human history in order to turn our attention to the long-term plan. As discussed yesterday, uh, the upcoming election is going to come and go, right? It's just going to come and go. And extending that thought today, I'd like to say that Agenda 2030 is going to come and go. The Great Reset's going to come and go. And every other nefarious plan that's currently underway is going to come and go. Like I was saying, this too shall pass. But, 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 but we are going to have to deal with what's right in front of us right now, as well as what's coming in hot and heavy between now and the end of the decade. So uh, in other words, I think that we, you know, we need to have some long-term focus on Agenda 2030. Get beyond the election, realize what's coming, and address the myriad ways in which this insidious plot against humanity is set to impact our lives just over the next six years. Now, anyone who has ever raised kids, I think, understands just how fast six years goes by. And because we're, we're really focused on the political circus, or most Americans are really focused on the political circus, the 2024 election. We can't even think about 2030 right now, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast. And given that this agenda, agenda 2030, has been underway for, you know, 50 years or more, quite possibly much longer than that, actually, uh, the, the fact that the globalists right now are plotting out 2050, for example, all of this to me, it, it makes it seem prudent for us to wrap our heads around what's right in front of us right now, realizing that there's a lot more insanity that's about to crash upon our shores, so to speak. So this is a battle for global democracy. That's what they claim. And, of course, they're not going to rest until they've conquered the entire world because the commies have a world to win. That is their explicitly stated objective just in case you happen to have forgot. So we need to be thinking long-term because they're not going to give up. And what I've slowly come to realize over the last couple of years of really digging into seeing what's going on here, because I didn't have any idea that all this was happening prior to the pandemic, right? And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Uh, But one of the things that I've come to realize is, is that, One of the hallmarks of psychological warfare is to short circuit our long-term thinking. It's hard to think long-term when the world's going to hell. It's really nearly impossible to think long-term when it feels like society's collapsing all around you. And I think that's because of survival instinct, ultimately, right? I mean, I, as human beings, we will forever be prone to uh, being thrust into survival mode. And it is, uh, after all, I mean, it's that's the mechanism that's allowed us to flourish through some of the more immensely inhospitable epochs, epochs of our planet. Uh, if you think about, you know, Uh, you know, wrestling with polar bears and, you know, woolly mammoths and all that kind of stuff. Humans have been in survival mode for a really long time. Then we kind of got comfortable, but that survival instinct is still there. It's a gift, the survival instinct, but it can also be used to lead us astray. It's our survival instinct that the global cabal likes to exploit. So they're exploiting our survival instinct along with you know basically the other primitive emotional circuits in our head and our in the way that we're wired and they can push these buttons and they do they continue to push these buttons like push it push it push it because by pushing our instinctual and our primitive emotional buttons it leads to predictable patterns of behavior our instinctive emotional reactions can be intentionally triggered in a lots of different ways uh and of course, you know, most most common right now is that they introduce a new scary idea through the media, right? That's how they're pushing our buttons right now. Oh my gosh, you know, the, the evil Russian tyrant might nuke us all. Oh my gosh, there's another invisible enemy and we're all going to die! Or whatever the case may be, they introduce a scary idea. And that's basically guaranteed to get a reaction because of the way that we're wired. Now, as I was thinking about that this morning kind of just speculating a little bit here on how our bodies are always adjusting to to kind of maintain a biological homeostatic norm if you will there's a you know to the balance our hormones the balance our blood sugar and all that our bodies are always adjusting and it, you know that means we can become addicted to stress for example if we've got you know lots of cortisol in our veins then our body craves more cortisol to maintain that homeostatic norm that's <laughs> I don't want to dork out on it but that's kind of how it works and i think that this helps explain why the geopolitical chaos right now seems to be ratcheting toward fever pitch if you think about it like an emotional addiction think about it like a junkie jonesing for their next fix and you know of course the next fix always has to be bigger than the last fix because the last fix you know the next you know it's i'm not going to you know the, the the body doesn't respond the same way it's the very same thing with news you know average americans right now are so inundated with hysterical headlines that they're left always needing bigger, scarier, more sensational news stories to keep their attention fixed on the media circus. And the propagandists know this very well. I think, What's key to realize here is that none of these sensational stories, they, ever, they never have to actually happen, right? So it's just scaring the people and spooking the people about the what-ifs and the maybes. And then, you know, if it never happens, it never happens. But they're repeatedly pushing all of our emotional buttons with these stories. And, you know, I think in time, you know, the media, you know, they kind of ebb and flow a little bit. Eventually, the media... Right now, it's like fever pitch, fever pitch, fever pitch. At some point, they're going to give a little bit of reprieve. They're going to step back just a little bit. They're going to, you know, steep the collective public conscience in slightly lesser stressful content. And when that happens, that's when everybody seems to forget what was just happening, Right when, when all of a sudden there's nothing really major scary in the news, then everybody just kind of spontaneously pretends like there was never any threat in the first place. We just kind of go back to you know grazing the grass and chewing our cud, I suppose. But uh, as you know, I think this emotional media cycle it often coincides with election cycles. So right now we're in fever pitch because we're in an election year. But again. Uh, The result of this is the predictable patterns of behavior that leave the majority of people addicted to the next crisis situation. And in that state, people are unable to think strategically about the long-term implications of what's happening in the world today, i.e. the Great Reset, Agenda 2030, the depopulation agenda, etc. When we understand that, uh, if we, I think in order to stimulate some more long-term thinking, we need to take a step back and kind of ask different questions. Uh, maybe you know, reframe things a little bit better. I, I submit for your consideration the question: How how can we combat this public assimilation into the collective hive mind? <laughs> how can we fight back against this public assimilation into the collective hive mind? I don't know. And. You know, why is it important for us to combat the public's assimilation into the collective hive mind? It's because if we fail to find an effective means for fighting back against this public assimilation, then eventually the whole of society is going to end up being ruled by the woke mob of unhinged radical leftists who are actively trying to take over the world. And... I mean, you know, and I know that you know, and you know that I know, we know, but they don't know that that's what the battle for democracy is really all about. And what that means to me, friends, what that means is that even after the 2024 election, even if somehow the globalists managed to achieve Agenda 2030 and implement the UN Sustainable Development Goals that gives them control over uh, every aspect of our lives, well, The cabal is going to continue to advance their collectivist agenda, further consolidating power and control in the hands of the global elites, exploiting the peasants, thwarting the will of we the people by brainwashing the public to support basically any ill-conceived, half-baked plan they might come up with. And, you know, just, just as some people naively believe that Joe Biden is the most popular president ever elected because that's the only story they've ever heard. You know, if you can imagine and kind of project that out, so too shall global tyranny ultimately be ushered in on the heels of the greater good. People will be begging for global tyranny because the the only story they get is that all these extremists are threatening democracy or what have you. I hope you can see how that plays out. And soon, very, very soon, the vast majority of the public is going to be conditioned to accept all of this. They're going to be conditioned to accept that our collective problems are so numerous and so complex, only the government can possibly solve all our problems. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Oh, thank God. You know, it's it's unimaginable. You think that that's crazy, but that's... Friends, we're, we're, uh, we're almost there now. There, a lot of people are there. I wouldn't go so far as to say the vast majority, but certainly many, many millions upon millions of the minions are right there right now. And of course, uh, continuing that thought out, once people believe that only the government can solve all of their problems, people will believe that the government will have to use force to solve all their problems. Because obviously the government, I mean, they tried to persuade the rebels, but, you know, the the rebels are just rebels, you know, these nasty extremist racist rebels, you know, uh, the, the attempts of the government to assimilate the rebels will have failed. And therefore the only, uh, the only solution left is for the government to use force. And at that point, the resistance will be dealt with friends, make no mistake about that. Uh, after all, you know, in the minds of the left, the, the resistance, it, it's, it's those rowdy rebels, those Christian insurrectionists, those racist Republicans, those MAGA extremists, you know, those parental domestic terrorists and all that. It's the resistance that's destroying democracy. It's the resistance that is standing in the way of progress. And at some point, everyone's going to realize that it's the extremists who are disturbing the peace and causing all the problems. Very clearly at that point, peace and stability will require the removal and re-education of these so-called defective troublemakers by force. And friends, we'd be wise not to underestimate the media's ability to convince the masses of exactly that sort of insanity. It's happened before, and that was without uh, the weaponized AI and and on and on. The tools that they have now are much more powerful to persuade the public, to assimilate uh, the public into this collective hive mind. And at that point, the mobs are going to be cheering for a hanging, and we will be at the end of the rope. Friends, in the long term, we need to convince our neighbors that we're the good guys. That That's going to require that we convince them not to believe their lying eyes, right? Because every second of every day, they're going to be bombarded with state propaganda that has our faces on a wanted poster. And the method that we need to use, ultimately, is that we need to change their perspectives. We need to alter their collective way of thinking. Friends, this will require strategy and tact. Uh, And where the rubber really meets the road in all of this effort to change people's perspective and alter the collective thinking is at the local level. It's at city council meetings. It's at county commissioner meetings, school board meetings, and so on and so forth. It's, It's there in the local community. Where people are making the decisions on behalf of the local community, right? The leaders at the local level are making decisions on behalf of the masses. And it's those people in leadership positions at the city council, county commissioners, et cetera, who we need to reach out to connect with, to convince, you know, to kind of get a feel. Are they all, are you with us? (laughs) Are you against us? You know, you don't have to come at it like that, but that's where we need to engage. That's where the rubber meets the road in this, uh, in this basically epic battle for the future of humanity. It's going to extend past 2024, again, past the end of the decade, Agenda 2030 and all that, because we know for a fact that global leaders are right now making a very concerted effort to enlist local leaders and their various nefarious causes, right? I mean, the the global cabal, the WEF, the WHO, the UN, etc. They are working on penetrating local community leadership and conditioning them to accept this, you know, this overarching globalist agenda. So, if we fail to notice that strategy, to recognize what they're doing, and then mirror that strategy, if we fail to engage our local leaders and try to make sure that they understand we're the good guys here trying to preserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, if we fail at that, then ultimately we're going to lose by the simple virtue of being out-hustled, right? They're going to get people on board with their plan faster than we're going to get people on board with our plan to retain our rights as human beings, (laughs) Never has there been a more critical time to be civically engaged, friends. We must be civically engaged. And I I think if we were to kind of take the thoughts of Thomas Jefferson, the spirit of resistance, and the, and the thoughts of Theodore Roosevelt, the, uh, the first duty of Americans, and, and converge those thoughts, kind of blend them together, which is no small feat, by the way. Uh, I think if we did that, then we could safely say, Our first duty as American citizens is to remind the government that we retain the spirit of resistance and that this resistance is going to come through the form of civic engagement or else, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, we have to retain the spirit of resistance. We have to remind the ruling class that the spirit of resistance is alive and well. We do that through civic engagement because, uh, anything else really gets messy real quick. So just to give you an example here, kind of practically speaking, uh, you know at the local level and a county level we might be able to elect a constitutional sheriff and amass a local posse that uh, that would that would be a huge step in mitigating the tyrannical rule of state bureaucrats It would be a huge step toward keeping our communities safe from the invasion of emboldened criminals for example and we've done that here in Clicktat County for the local residents uh, we know the the uh, the DOJ the FBI they wanted to investigate. Uh, parents attending school board meetings protesting at school board meetings and the local sheriff told them to pound sand you know if there was some uh l- l- you know unlawful activity going on then they'll take care of it at the local level but no you don't have the right to come in here and treat concerned parents like they're domestic terrorists right that's the power of having a strong constitutional leader at the local level. Uh, the same thing goes for you know keeping porn out of the schools, uh, drugs off the streets, and so on and so forth. In every case, no matter what problem we face, no matter what we're trying to solve, the solution is always going to hinge upon getting more people involved. Pick your scenario, and the same will hold true. No matter how practical or how tactical the conversation becomes, we always need more people. Because, 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 because we know for a fact that the globalists are never going to give up. We know for a fact that they are going to continue using the full force of the media to control the minds of the masses. And we know that this war for the hearts and minds of humanity is going to extend far beyond the 2024 election. It is still possible, I believe, to thwart Agenda 2030. We see it happening in Europe. I mean, they're standing up and dumping manure on the um, you know, on the ruling class's lawn, so to speak. But I, I, we need to see more of that kind of peaceful protesting here in the United States, I think. But it is possible to thwart Agenda 2030 as long as we look long-term. But the success of ultimately, of the liberty movement is going to rest squarely upon our ability to bring more people into the fold uh, and convincing the masses that freedom is the most good for the most people. Freedom is the most good for the most people because all other paths lead to perpetual conflict. And last I checked, you know, uh, everybody kind kind of agrees that Perpetual conflict is a lose lose proposition. So when I say resist, we must, friends. I I I mean also we must resist the urge to sit back on our heels, uh, keep our head down, and just wait for all hell to break loose. We need to be looking, lifting our gaze, and looking long term, thinking ahead, thinking beyond twenty twenty four, thinking out toward the end of you know twenty thirty. For example, would be a good medium term. But if we do that, then we can effectively work toward that long-term stabilization of society by helping people remove their head from their collective orifices And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, uh, I'm sorry I get out uh, a little bit late here. I've been I've been delegated some more responsibilities. I have the opportunity to help uh, get the news out on the local radio station six days a week now. So that's uh, adjusting. I've been adjusting my schedule a little bit there. I apologize for being a little bit sporadic and late today. Uh, as always, friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go to thetorchreport.com. Find the little heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Uh, you could consider joining the patriot club to help support this publication or make a one-time donation buy me a coffee buy me a beer send me some cookies (laughs) oh friends i do appreciate all the support but of course as always the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know get out there and embrace this wild whimsical wednesday stay wise friends and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon